Hello, I'm Sue Ditta, and this is the Electric City Culture Cast. You're listening to the Electric City Culture Cast, broadcasting through the facilities of Trent Radio, 92.7 FM CFFF. Come hell and with Come Hell or High Water, and I'm Eva Fisher, EC3's program coordinator. Every other week, the Electric City Culture Cast takes you inside Peterborough's arts, culture, and heritage scene. Our magazine format features interviews with rising stars and emerging artists, takes you behind the scenes at a wide range of arts and cultural organizations in the community and on the Trent campus. The Electric City Culture Cast is brought to you by the Electric City Culture Council. We'll delve into the issues that people are talking about, bring you up to date on the latest news, reviews and happenings, and provide you with information and advice on what to see and how to advance your own arts practice. We broadcast every other week on Trent Radio, and all of our shows will also be available on podcast. In this episode, we interview precarious festival organizer Kate Story about the newest arts festival taking place in Peterborough all through November. The Precarious Festival is an extravaganza of theatre, dance, visual arts, and literature. The projects all take up the issue of precarity in the art. Why is so much creative labour precarious? What kind of an impact does that have on artists and on the work they make and on the culture that we experience? We'll also continue our ongoing series, Tis the Season, where we interview the people behind some of Peterborough's outstanding arts organisations about their upcoming seasons. Throughout this episode, we'll be playing Nick Ferrio's Come Hell or High Water, which kind of describes how it feels when you're making art some of the time. Precarity. Precarity is a precarious existence, lacking in predictability, job security, material or psychological welfare. The social class defined by this condition has been termed the precariat. And in November, we're going to be taking a look at what that means for people working in the arts. And to take us there, we have Kate Story, artist, organizer extraordinaire, and producer of Precarious, this month's special festival. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Kate, you're an artist. You're a writer. You're a dancer. You're a playwright. You're one of Peterborough's most, I think, accomplished artists. Oh, dear. We're so lucky to have you in town. Um, and I want to say thanks for all that you do here. Well, thank you very much. It's... Uh, 
I guess like most artists, it just feels like something that we do that maybe seized us. And certainly I know for myself, it, I, at this point in my life, can't imagine doing my life any differently. It's certainly not virtue on my part. No IT career for you? No. <laughs> so just quickly, tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be in Peterborough. And tell us about what's happening in your life, because I know the Precarious Festival is just one of the things that's happening right now. Wow. Well, I, I, like a lot of people, I came to Peterborough to go to Trent. Um, I think a lot of what informs where I am now in my life is wh- how I grew up. Um, the more, you know, as I get older, the more I start to see these patterns. So I grew up in St. John's, um, and my parents were very involved in a kind of Newfoundland cultural renaissance and the birth of something called the cultural study, the, the Newfoundland studies movement. My father was really uh, at the heart of a lot of that stuff, along with a lot of his fabulous colleagues. And uh, it was a really exciting time in Newfoundland. And uh, Joey Smallwood had gotten Newfoundland to join Canada, which really divided the province and still does. But there was a lot of uh, energy and excitement for this idea that there was something exciting going on in Newfoundland right there, and that something was going to disappear and people needed to study it. And it drew people from a lot of uh, scholars from England, from the United States, from mainland Canada, and really all over the world to study what they thought was going to be a dying folk culture. They thought it was a living folk culture, and now was our only chance to, to study it. But uh, the big fallout, I think the way it impacted my life uh, is, is, is pretty complex. But uh, what I'm looking at right now is how it made me feel that there's something really important when you get politicians and artists and media people and academics and people, basically, just all talking about something and being excited about something and thinking it matters. And a belief that there's a kind of justice to that and a kind of, uh, well, just that that's the way it should be. And uh, so I've walked around with this idea for all these years. Um, I came to Trent and ended up studying cultural studies, which I sort of discovered in my calendar the night before I came to Trent, which is in 1987. I thought I was going to do English. So I discovered cultural studies. What is it? So I changed my whole idea of what I was going to do. So I did cultural studies instead. And uh, then I, I'm a grad school dropout. I did three months of graduate school in Toronto and uh, realized I really wanted to be making uh, performance. I wanted to be making theater. I had a dance background, but I hadn't really been dancing. The kind of theater I was excited by was theater where, yes, text is, is important, but the the uh, visual design and a kind of collaborative elements matter in a way as much as the text, maybe sometimes more. So I found myself really being drawn to that kind of work and auditioning for it and getting involved. I worked with some amazing people in Toronto. I I ended up doing my own kind of independent course of study and performance and uh, drifted back to Peterborough, as so many do. I was just going to say, as so many do. Yeah, there's the kind of uh, the idea of the Kawartha Triangle. You can't really leave. Yeah, that happened to me. Scary and wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I came back here and kept kind of making work in various ways and you know at that point I had started writing as well and my first novel had come out and so I was sort of doing that kind of stuff as well as performance and at this point for the last five or getting on six years now my partner Ryan he opened a theater and before that I think for myself and for a lot of us we we, we were self-producing some of us but we and a lot of people really relied on Bill Kimball Public Energy and still do to get performance out there and that was great. I was noticing that I was bringing work to Toronto and to St. John's as well, but I was noticing those opportunities were drying up. There weren't as many festivals, things that were accessible to, to, to me. Funding was getting a little tougher for me to get. As a younger artist, when I started applying at the Ontario Arts Council, I found it quite accessible. I found it pretty not easy. It's never easy, but I could call up an officer. They were very helpful, not to say they aren't still helpful, but I find it's a little less accessible now. They have this online application process that's supposed to make it easier. I don't think it does, but I started out at a time when I think it was still not as easy to get funding as in the 70s and early 80s, that's for sure. It seemed like that was a really rich time for funding. 
I think you can really see that uh, when you look at a lot of the arts institutions that are around now, including things like public energy and art mm -hmm. space. You know, they started at that time, as you know, of course. But um, I was still able to get funding. So I, I was just starting to feel like things were drying up. And then when I was asking myself if I wanted to keep making performance work, if it was just going to be kind of be once a year at emergency, and I thought, yeah, well, maybe, you know, but it'll just be different. I won't have the same sense of urgency about it. And then Ryan opened his theater. So that really helped me. <laughs> that really enabled me. And I think a lot of people where it just created a space where you can afford to fail, you can experiment, you can try things. And I think out of all that came this kind of idea that I had. And then I went to Ryan and I said, what do you think about trying to do a multi-arts festival? Did one last year with a theme around Bernie Martin, a wonderful artist who was multidisciplinary, passed away. And not very many people have heard of Bernie outside of a really small context, which I think a lot of us really relate to. And this year, when we were talking to a lot of artists around town, the word precarious was the one that came up. Kate, you were talking about the 70s and 80s and what it was like to be applying for grants and trying to make new work in that period. I think anybody would say there was a sense of scarcity then, but not precarity. It was still possible to get into operating grant programs. Success rates in arts awards and other kinds of production programs were a little higher than they are now. But there is a sense throughout the culture of precarity in all kinds of labor, but it feels particularly acute in the arts. And I know to a certain extent that's what the festival's responding to. Just before we talk about what's going to happen in the festival, I wondered if you could tell us about the art rat that is the symbol, the wonderful symbol in all your graphics and design. What made you think of an art rat? Sadly, I'm not sure I know exactly. It's one of those images that just comes to you and you figure it, you should go with it because it has a kind of power. I think, practically speaking, it started because I'm working with the Nervous System, which is Brad Brackenridge's company, on a collaborative script, which is a really dark, post-apocalyptic future vision of the Pied Piper. So this idea of the rats, which, of course, in the Pied Piper, they're not a, a positive uh, symbol. And um, when I started doing research on rats, of course, you start reading about the plague, waves of plague. You start reading about how they've uh, decimated indigenous flora and fauna in so many places when Europeans brought them on their ships. You read about how there's probably more rats than humans on Earth. And, uh, you know, they're kind of an exciting species. And they make me think a lot about both something unpleasant, but also in a way they're so ingenious. They're survivors. They're survivors. And so... Are the rats for the festival, and this is a question, are they the artists? Are they the creeping gentrification of downtown and the agents of that? I don't really have an answer. Just for me, the rats are just this very potent and ambivalent symbol and, and, and playful and yet slightly alarming. Well, we've called this episode Art Rats because we were so impressed by that imagery and it's been haunting all our thinking about the Precarious Festival. What's the full title of the festival, Kate? It's called Precarious Peterborough Arts Work Festival. Arts Work. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going to happen? I know it's a multidisciplinary, multimedia event. It's taking place in a number of venues across the city. Could you give us some of the highlights? Wow, they're all highlights for me. Um, first of all, I want to say that the, the design and the rat is Jeff Macklin. I just want to shout out because I just think he did such a wonderful job. Jeff Macklin is a local artist and printmaker with Prevail Design and Jackson Creek Press. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, the thing about the festival for me, like the one we did last year, uh, the fact that it lasts for an entire month means that people have an opportunity to really experience a wide range of things and really deepen the conversation. It's not just something that happens for four days, for example. And it's a mix of mentorships, workshops, talks, discussions, 
and original art making, which I think is a really exciting combination. I would say highlights, goodness me. Well, I'll start with performance, not because that's the highlight, but because uh, that's kind of where I live most comfortably. Uh, the festival launch was great. We had Steelburner play. That went so well. I just thought they were wonderful. And then on November 3rd, we're going to piggyback on this gallery hop event that's been happening first Friday of every month. Evans Contemporary Star X. A lot of galleries around town get in on that, and people are able to, to troll around and go to all these different arts openings, and it's a really exciting event. So there's a group of us, Victoria Moore Blakeney and Ryan Kerr and I started Peterborough Dance Works, and we kind of trying to boost the profile of contemporary dance in Peterborough. We're going to be uh, performing three original dance works, site-specific dance works, in and around Evans Contemporary and the Commerce Building. So that's around Water and Hunter? That's right, right on the corner there, that whole big building. This coming Friday night? Yeah, Friday. So sort of seven, between seven and ten, we'll be, we'll be doing work. Seven and nine, let's be, let's be, seven, seven and twenty to ten. Oh my gosh. Yes, anyway, you'll come in there, there will be pamphlets and you'll understand. Also, uh, at the Star X Gallery is the opening of Salon de Refusé, which Anne Yager has um, curated with some really cutting-edge local artists. And where's Star X, Kate? It's upstairs in the Commerce Building. It's unfortunately not physically accessible, but uh, you have to go upstairs. But Star X is a really, really exciting and space. That, that entrance is on Hunter. Yeah, if you go off Hunter Street. Perfect. Um, just around the corner from Water. Then uh, the next kind of performance thing that we're looking at would be a performance installation by Alicia Rubishaw of Bird Buried Press. She's doing a thing called Cutting Out Lake Huron. It's a, an immersive experience at the Theatre on King. You can go and put on headphones and look at videos she's made of the process of putting together poetry chapbooks, which is what Bird Buried Press does. She's going to be physically finishing one called um, Ten, I think it's called. She'll be physically finishing that chapbook before our very eyes. And it's, it's really labor-intensive making these beautiful objects that they produce, these beautiful books. So it's a chance to see real art production happening. Yeah, and see some of the background of how the rest of the production of the uh, chapbook has gone. And the theatre on King... Oh yes, for those people who don't know, and it's hard to imagine there's anyone who doesn't know. Well, how do you get to the theater on King? It's a bit, it's a bit obscure. You have to go. It's on, it's on King Street. Oh, it's not that obscure. It's just there's not really a sign. So it's King Street. You're going west on King, just west of George. Is that that kind of ugly parking garage on your right? You go up an alley, and it's a nice alley. There's lights. Don't be scared. And then go around <laughs> to the left uh, into the parking lot, and there's, there's some doors. Lots of parking, and it's a it's a perfect hideaway spot for an experimental theater it sure is yeah it's pretty pretty fantastic the next performance thing after that will be writing off the edge which is a writing event where i have uh, some pretty exciting local writers will read poetry and prose and then i guess the one after that would be yes neighbors Vanzet, which is ring a rosie they're fabulous uh, theater company, three young women theater artists. They work collaboratively. They make devised theater, and they're going to be performing that at Art Space, which is on Aylmer Street, just around what's, the corner from what's Hunter. What's devised theater, Kate? Well, devised theater is something where there tends to be a collaborative uh, approach to making the work. You don't start with a script usually. It's something, the script is something you generate. You often collaborate together. With the case of Ring of Rosie, the three of them, the three core people, they really walk into a room together and they're very disciplined and their sense of fun is incredibly well honed as well. They have a lot of energy. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're so smart. And they just start working on They have an idea for a show and they start working on it, going from all different angles, different approaches. 
And so it comes together in the room with them together. There's not a writer off somewhere or a designer somewhere else. They're all they're all working on it at once. And this is a bit of a riff on a National Film Board short uh, by uh, McLaren. Yes, Neighbors, which a lot of us who are a bit older remember the NFB films. They were so great. So they're they're doing a riff on that. It's going to be fantastic. Don't miss Norman it. Norman McLaren. Norman McLaren. Oscar winning films. Oh my goodness. Wonderful. And I know Anne White is. She works with EC3 sometimes. She's yeah. part of the Ring of Rosie collective. That's right. She certainly is, along with Lily and uh, Miranda. So then um, after that, there's going to be Crime City, which is a, something that's been going on at the Theatre on King. It's a 50s-style radio drama. It's fantastic. Just check it out. Then Invisible, which is Erin uh, Lidster's first production that she's written and directed. She's she's an emerging theatre artist, and she's working on the this piece, which is really about the sort of all the things that go into an independent theatre piece that, that your average person wouldn't see. And I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be charming, moving, entertaining. I highly recommend it. And at the end of the whole thing is Festivus Radis Radis 2035, which is the nervous system's <laughs> bizarre and post-apocalyptic take on the Pied Piper. Don't bring your children. So if it's Brad Brackenridge, I suspect there might be puppets involved. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and just performance objects, as we call them sometimes, because you know, you notice our people's idea of puppets in, in Anglo Canada tends to be a bit limited. So if I think about the um, menu that you've laid out for us, there are fantastic readings, there are visual arts events, there are plays, there are improvised events. Yep. We get to see artist books being made. So the all of the arts events that are happening focus on the idea of labor, of making, of the process of creation in a precarious environment. Exactly. And I know you're going to follow that up and take a look at the conditions that surround artists working in Peterborough and other places. There are a couple of panel discussions. One of those were we, being EC3, yes. partnering with Precarious On. Can you tell us a bit about that panel, Work, oh, Work, yeah. Work? Work, 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 Uncertainty and Precarity in Creative Labor. So this is really exciting. I think the combination of discussions and, and art making is really important. So this particular panel is a way to really get at the realities of contemporary arts production, the funding, the economic realities. And we have a wonderful array of people coming in. Uh, Craig Bergold, who's uh, an award-winning media artist and cultural studies scholar, and Brian Nichols, who's a, a mental health professional and arts advocate. And then we have Ontario's CARFAC Executive Director, Sally Lee, which is pretty exciting. CARFAC Executive Director. Canadian uh, Artist Representation. That's right, which is an incredibly important organization, and I'm, I'm really excited to meet Sally. And, um, and we also have Smokey Sumac, who is a PhD candidate in Indigenous Studies at Trent. And I think the combination of these different people with their different approaches to this topic is just going to be really electrifying. So that's November 10th at 8 p.m. at yeah. the Theatre on King. And uh, I know that EC3 is really excited to be partnering with Precarious on that panel because it is important to an arts council um, all of the conditions that impact the creation of artwork and the development of culture in any community. And these are four people who are going to come at that issue in very different ways, but I think give us a really robust picture of what it's like to make work in oh, the current condition. Absolutely. Conditions. Um, I'm getting the signal from our producer here that we need to wrap up.
I just could. Can I quickly, quickly say? There's tons of other discussions. There's an artisan community coffee house, which has got some more incredibly exciting people talking. There's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist coming and speaking um, that Public Energy is bringing in. Chris Hedges speaking at Market Hall. There's Rock Block, which is something Jill Stavely and the Rock Camp for Girls RC4G Peterborough has been running. If you go online, if you go to ttok.ca, you can look all this stuff up. And the other thing is a linchpin of the festival is this first ever artist survey. Never been a survey done of Peterborough artists. We need the data to move forward. So this is a survey that's part of a bigger project that we're working on with Precarious called the Status of the Artist Survey and Report. If you're a professional artist in Peterborough, go to the EC3 website and fill out that survey. We're trying to figure out who you are, what kind of work you do, how much money you make, what benefits you have, if any, what your living conditions are, because we hope over the next couple of years to be working with the city and the province in improving the conditions that Peterborough artists have. And really the the key is you make money with your work that you do outside the arts often too, so we're really trying to divide those things out. How much money do you make from your arts practice versus, you know, the other things that you might do to keep body and soul together? Okay, Kate, if people want information, we know they can go to the Theatre on King website. Is there a cost for some of these events? A lot of them are free. Almost all of them are, uh, there's a suggested ticket price or pay what you can. And we're serious about the pay what you can. We hope that people come regardless of their economic situation because precarity being what it is, we didn't want to make it so that only people with, you know, $50 bills in their pockets at all times could could come to things. Art belongs to everybody. And uh, Kate Story is one of the people in Peterborough that makes that happen on a regular basis. But this month, the focus is on the Precarious Festival. Check out the Theatre on King website at ttok.ca. Make sure you fill out the artist survey. Have a great month, Kate. I hope everything goes really well. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much. You've been listening to an interview with artist and producer Kate Story. She's organizing Precarious, Peterborough's Arts Work Festival. It's presented by Fleshy Thud in partnership with Public Energy. And EC3 is also a partner on the panel Work, 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 and a major partner in the Peterborough Artist Survey that's part of the Status of the Artist Project. Precarious events run from Wednesday, October 25th to December 2nd, 2017. You can find out information about Precarious at ttok.ca or on the Electric City Culture Council site. You can fill out the survey there, www.ec3.org. Fill out that survey, please, so we can get information on the status of the artist in Peterborough. And now I think it's time for a quick trivia break. I completely agree, Eva. In fact, I think this is your favorite part of the whole show. On our last episode, we asked audiences a cultural trivia quiz question. Who was the first writer-in-residence at Autonomy College? Hint, he's a famous poet known for his work about exotic beasts and culinary delights. Are you ready for the answer? I was ready a week ago. And the answer is Dennis Lee, one of Canada's most famous poets, He has a new book out called Heart Residence, Collected Poems, 1967 to 2017. He's a Governor General's Award winner and was also Toronto's first Poet Laureate. And Dennis Lee played a really important role in creating cultural life at Autonomy College at Trent University in the mid-1970s. Ah, so the wild beasts and culinary delights would be alligator pie then. That's right. Get yourself some alligator pie. 
Also, get your calendars out because it's time for another installment of Tis the Season, where the Electric City Culture Cast brings you the best of what's going to happen this year on the art scene in Peterborough. Hi, Sid Burrell. Welcome to the Electric City Culture Cast. It's good to be here. Sid is the artistic director of the Peterborough Singers. Um, Peterborough is blessed with having an outstanding multi-voice choir. We were wondering, Sid, do you have a, a little tune you'd like to sing for us this morning? <laughs> it sounds as though I might be auditioning for myself. Uh, I don't have any tunes up my sleeve. My job is to stand in front, wave my hands, and make comments on those that do provide the tunes. Can you let it tell us a little bit about the Peterborough Singers? The Peterborough Singers was formed 25 years ago, so it's a special year for us as we celebrate 25 years. We were founded with the idea that, that there was a bit of a gap in the Peterborough cultural community. In other words, a choir which was to be auditioned and people continually would be auditioned. In fact, every couple of years, even if you're in, you need to re-audition. The, the idea was to establish a, a high standard. Now, there's very many types of choirs and I love them all. And uh, this just happens to be our model. I'm not saying it's better or worse than anything else. To me, as I get older, the excitement is what happens in choirs when a whole bunch of people, you put one plus one plus one together and it doesn't come to three, but it's like 300. So I love what happens in any choir, regardless of its uh, mandate. Well, I know there's new scientific evidence that singing in a choir actually improves your brain function. I can tell you that going to a Peterborough Singer concert certainly improves your heart function because you just feel so good listening to it. Choirs are really hot right now. They're happening, as you're saying, all kinds of choirs everywhere. Um, but a lot of people in Peterborough, I think, don't realize that the Peterborough Singers is one of the best community choirs in the country. It's won prizes and been a successful competitor in different festivals all across the country. Um, it travels abroad to sing. But what we really want to know, Sid, is what's happening this season. What are the Peterborough Singers bringing to us as audiences in 2017, 2018? We've got five concerts this year. We perform a concert uh, end of November. We call it Yuletide Cheer. It's kind of Christmas, but also Hanukkah. Then we have our classic Handel's Messiah, which we perform on December the 19th. Uh, then looking forward, we have something that's a little bit exciting for us and unusual. Instead of a pop concert in February, where recently we have chosen to deviate from the classical mold and do things like Beatles, Soul, and so on. This year, we're celebrating the best of the first 25 years, so we're going to pick a whole bunch of songs from our first 25 years, put it in a concert called Greatest Hits. We end the season with the classic What Community Choirs Do, Mendelssohn's Oratorio, The Elijah. But that doesn't add up to what I was telling you. There's one more. This year we are just delighted to be working with the Peterborough Symphony Orchestra in presenting Brahms' German Requiem. Fantastic. Two great music organizations in Peterborough partnering on a final concert. I know you perform in a number of venues around the city. Can you tell us where you'll be this year? We will be at Emmanuel East Campus, formerly George Street United Church. We need that size for um, getting 700, 800 people that come out to our concerts, and uh, it's got a fabulous pipe organ as well, a, a wonderful cast event. So all those things work together to make it an excellent site for us to do our concerts. 
Fabulous. Sid, tell us a little bit about your ticket prices and where people can get more information about the Peterborough Singers. PeterboroughSingers.com is the first place to go, and uh, usually our prices are $30 for adults, 15 for students. I should say this is a large choir, 110 people, community-based, so there's some from Trent University. Uh, we have lots of students from Trent, uh, professors from Trent, but then widely spread in the community. It's not an age-related thing to be in the choir. It's all about can you pass the audition and are you able to read music and so on. Thanks, Sid. Listeners, get out there and listen to the Peterborough Singers this season. Sid, one last question. Do you sing in the shower? I sing in the shower. And... Whenever I get a chance, I too sing in choirs. So last year, we had Canadian Women of Song, and it was felt that a guy should not be conducting Canadian Women of Song. And my wife conducted, and I got to sing in the choir. And I got to tell you, that was so cool. That was so much fun to be with the troops just belting away in the tenors. Thanks, Sid Burrell. You're welcome. For telling us about the season coming up for the Peterborough Singers. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Electric City Culture Cast. I'm EC3's program coordinator, Eva Fisher. On our next episode, we'll be speaking to artist and arts journalist Anne Yeager and Peer Christensen of Christensen Fine Art about First Fridays. The next First Friday is coming up on November 3rd, 2017. That's this Friday. It's a fabulous occasion every First Friday of the month in downtown Peterborough when visual art exhibitions open all across the downtown you go anywhere near George, Hunter, and Water on the first Friday of the month, you're bound to have a good time. And that's all for this week's episode of the Electric City Culture Cast. My name is Sue Ditta, and I'm the Executive Director of EC3. That's the Electric City Culture Council. We broadcast every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. through the facilities of Trent Radio at 92.7 on your FM dial. The Electric City Culture Council is supported by a number of organizations, and we'd like to say thanks for the generous support from the City of Peterborough, the Ontario Trillium Foundation, the Ontario Arts Council, and Canadian Heritage. We'd also like to thank our board of directors and volunteers and the great people at Trent Radio who made this broadcast possible. We'll make it through
Come hell or high water.